Today on Blue 58, it's been a free agency bonanza in Green Bay. Guys are staying, guys are leaving, and we're finally getting some contract numbers on the biggest deal of them all. So how long is Aaron Rodgers going to be here anyway? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Very happy to be with you here for another episode. It's free agency week. The NFL League year starts Wednesday afternoon, as years tend to, I guess. And we are now just coming out, as you listen to this episode, of the legal tampering period. Technically, free agency can't officially start until the beginning of the league year because when the old year league ends, that's when the contracts expire and the new league year begins and you can start signing guys. But there's basically a free-for-all in the couple days leading up to the start of the league year. Technically, all the deals that have been signed are not official until the start of the league year, or they can't become official until the start of the league year. You get it. Everyone knows that this has been going on for a while. These behind-the-scenes conversations have been happening for weeks and weeks and weeks, at least since the NFL Combine, probably before then. It's an open secret and a terribly kept one. But here we are. We have seen a bunch of people moving around. We've seen the Packers hanging on to a bunch of guys. And I figure in situations like this, the best way for us to talk about this is to just kind of go through sequentially. Monday, things starts happening. It's now Tuesday evening. What has happened so far? What is going to happen next? The first big domino to fall, the first domino of any type to fall, was Preston Smith re-signing with the Packers. I would characterize this as a moderate surprise. Moderate in that I'm sure everybody agreed that they would love to have uh, Preston Smith back. But the way that the contract worked out, I think, makes it a, a bit of a, an even bigger surprise. And the surprise really comes on the team side of things. Because this is, it seems to me, like an unusually team-friendly deal. It only works out to have about $14 million guaranteed. It's going to save the Packers around $8 million in salary cap room. The contract numbers on all the stuff we're going to talk about are not hugely important to me. But this one, this one kind of is. Because I think this is an example of, well, a couple things. First, it, it's the an example of the Packers both needing and valuing Preston Smith. On the one hand, they do really need him because they're pretty thin at edge even if he if he stays if they um if they let him go it's going to be even worse so the packers needed him but on preston's side of things he elects not to even test the open market at all i think that's an interesting move because he accepted something that could theoretically have been below what he would have gotten on the um on the open market. Just for reference, back in 2019, when he signed with the Packers, he signed a four-year, $52 million contract that included $18 million guaranteed. There is a lot of incentive stuff in this deal. There's a lot of stuff that uh, allows him to earn potentially more money, potentially up to $71 million. But in terms of the hard and fast money, it's it's not all that much. And to me, it seems like Preston Smith is saying, 
a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush or whatever that exact expression is. The semantics of that expression are always a little bit confusing to me, but basically what it means, I think, is is something we can all relate to. The deal you get, the deal you have for sure, is always going to have some appeal over the one that might be out there. Maybe he does make more than this on the open market, but maybe not. And I think he just decides, hey, I like it here. I've played well here. I can get a deal here. And so he decides that, you know what? $14 million with the potential, you know, to earn a lot more over the life of the deal. That's nothing to sneeze at. And you might be pinching pennies on yourself if you try to get a whole lot more than that. Because if the Packers were willing to do those incentives, maybe somebody else is not quite so willing. Unfortunately, bringing one Smith brother back all but assured that another Smith brother would be on the way out. And look, Zadaria Smith was going to be a long shot anyway. There were some reports, if you believe the copy and paste messaging from agents to guys like Adam Schefter and Tom Pelissero and so on and so forth. There was some long shot sort of deal that would have had Zadaria Smith back in Green Bay. But it didn't seem like, just looking at this from the outside, like that was ever super realistic. So Zadaria Smith gets cut. And the Packers save almost $16 million in cap space as a result. My question on the Smith thing is, where do we put him in Packers history? He played three years in Green Bay, technically. It was really two years. He had an unbelievable 2019, a really good 2020, and then 2021 was basically a lost year. I can't really think of a comparable figure in Packers history. The only one that really comes to mind, and it's not a great comparison because it was, his career arc was almost the reverse of Zedaria Smith and he was a draft pick anyway. But the guy that comes to mind is Javon Walker, the Packers wide receiver. Early 2000s, some of you may be too young to remember that. First round pick in 2002, 2001. I don't know. It, it's it's not super important. But he started, you know, as a lot of young receivers do, pretty slowly and built up and then really exploded and then tore up his knee. And that was it for him in Green Bay. Zedaria Smith comes in with the bang and then kind of slowly, you know, steps down a little bit and then an injury and then he's done in Green Bay. Where do you put guys like that? Clearly, they are great players. Javon Walker had one really, really outstanding season for the Packers. You let me pull it up here in a second. I will give you the exact stats. Yeah, 2004, 89 catches, 1,382 yards and 12 touchdowns. It's pretty darn good. Year three there for Walker, then tears up his knee the first week of 2005. The interesting side note there is there's a universe where Javon Walker is catching passes from Aaron Rodgers in 2008. Walker would have been 30, but still. Where do you put Zedaria Smith, though? Do you just say it was fun while it lasted and move on? Probably. But it feels like there's going to be a bigger place for him as we look back than that. He was kind of the start. Well, he was the start of the the Lafleur era. A very vocal leader for a couple years. And then, poof, he's gone. Just that.
Billy Turner is much the same. Packers next sequentially release Billy Turner. This one got me. Um, there are some people I've read out there, the great Tex Western and Acme Packing Company among them, who predicted this name or predicted this move. I didn't think it was going to happen. I thought he was a far sight better than Yash Nyman. I thought with the uncertainty with Elton Jenkins, they would want him around. But no, uh, Turner is on the outs, and the Packers gained $3.1 million in cap space by making that move. Squinting at the roster, you can see why. With um, David Bakhtiari, in theory, back to full strength by the start of next season, with plenty of time to work out whatever is going on with his knee, with Yash Nyman ascending, with Dennis Kelly, at least in theory, probably around as a, a fairly cheap, serviceable backup, with Elton Jenkins probably coming back at some point and maybe sliding in at tackle, Billy Turner ends up as the odd man out. But there's a lot of what-ifs in that scenario that I think a guy like Billy Turner answers for you. And I know you can't keep everybody. And I guess this is as good a time to talk about this aspect of it as anything. I have been one of the um, the cap-isn't-real people for a while. And I say that like about 50-50 truly believing it, and tongue-in-cheek. I know the cap is real. Like, there are real consequences to bad contracts. There is a hard cap. But I've always looked at the salary cap as more of a problem to be solved than a real limit. Because everybody that I've ever read who works around the salary cap professionally says it doesn't ever really prevent you from doing anything you want to do. So when a guy like Billy Turner is released and people are saying, see cap space, cap space, cap space, they're not wrong. But the Packers also kept guys that were as expensive, if not more expensive, than Billy Turner. Dean Lowry, for example. Why did they keep Dean Lowry and not Billy Turner? Well, it's because they've got options on the offensive line and no options on the defensive line. Cap space becomes the excuse, but the reality is Billy Turner gets cut because they have other guys that they want to play more. Now, complicating that is the fact that they release him with a failed physical designation, which is pretty fungible. If you want to, you can make just about anybody fail or pass a a physical just about at any time. There's the famous story about Brett Favre getting his physical basically green-lighted by Ron Wolfe, who tells the medical staff, Hey, I know what you're going to find. Brett Favre is going to pass his physical. Okay? Do we understand each other? That sort of thing happens all the time. You want a guy to pass his physical? Lo and behold, he's going to pass his physical. You need a failed physical designation? You want to scuttle a trade or a free agency move or whatever? You can find a reason. These guys are professional football players who are getting beat to heck. But Turner... It's, it's, I guess it's a shame to see it end this way because the failed physical designation, while elastic, fungible, whatever, does have some bearing in reality. He came back from an injury to play left tackle for the Packers in the playoffs, and it didn't go particularly well. So Turner comes back from injury to play spot duty on short notice at a position that he hasn't played at all in a year 
and he gets worked and the Packers lose. And that's it for Billy Turner, which is a real shame considering the player he was in Green Bay, the level at which he played in Green Bay. I mean, he was solid this year on the right side, probably his best year as a pro is certainly, I think, his best year in Green Bay. And now it's over. Real bummer. That's the way things go. Sometimes I understand it, but it's a cruel game sometimes. Before we get to the other big moves and what comes next, I want to take a second and mention our, our Patreon, patreon.com slash thepowersweep. Quick promo on this this time, because what I really want to tell you about is is the Discord server, as always, because this week we are doing a special uh, bracket challenge where the NCAA tournament's coming up. I know the, the first four is tonight as we record, but there's still time for you to get in on the bracket challenge if you are a part of of the Patreon. So head to patreon.com slash the power sweep and get in on that. Join our, our, uh, join us with some support. Uh, you'll get access to the discord server. You'll get access to the bracket challenge and you will have the chance to win some prizes. We're giving away a hoodie, a t-shirt and some stickers, a sticker for first place. We're given a t-shirt and sticker for second place, just t-shirt for third place. And then if you put up the very worst bracket in the group, we'll give you just a sticker just because. Uh, so head over to patreon.com slash the power sweep. Join us there. Get in the discord, get your bracket up and uh, see what you can do. The very next move after a bit of a bummer with the Billy Turner news comes out of nowhere. I know there were people who thought the Packers were going to keep Devondre Campbell. I didn't see a lot of it and I didn't see a lot of people who were putting out like serious numbers on, on what he could get with the Packers. But as it turns out in one of the more fake looking contracts, I think I've seen in relatively recent memory, Devondre Campbell is back with the green Bay Packers on a five year, $50 million deal. You took a look around saw what was out there, and decided to come back to the Green Bay Packers. Now, I say it's a fake-looking contract because it just all works out too nicely. $50 million over five years, do the quick math, carry the one that works out to uh, $10 million per year. Even I can handle that math. But as we know, nothing is ever quite that simple when it comes to NFL contracts. This is really going to be like a two or three year deal. The last two years are not functional void years or are not actual void years, but are functional void years, I'm assuming. But the bottom line is Devondre Campbell, the best linebacker we've seen in Green Bay in a long, long time, is going to be back with the Packers for 2022. And while it's good to have Campbell around, he's obviously a very good player. The big benefit, I think, here for the Packers is that it changes their draft priorities. You don't have to worry about getting an off-the-ball linebacker in the draft, at least not high. You don't have to worry about filling that position really at all, unless there's some athletic special teamer type who um, really strikes your fancy on day three. Campbell answers so many of those questions for the Packers because now you've got Campbell the starter. Now you've got Chris Barnes the sidekick. Now you've got Isaiah McDuffie and Ty Summers 
the special teamers. And you can go shopping on day three for just a prospect. You can go root through the undrafted free agent pile of players. You don't have to get one anymore. You've got one and a really good one. And he's going to be in Green Bay for a while now. Speaking of a really good one, who's going to be in Green Bay for a while, is Aaron Rodgers. We knew the deal was done. We knew that he was coming back to Green Bay in some way, shape, or form. And now we know. And as it turns out, the initial reporting on Aaron Rodgers' contract money was more or less on the money. Functionally, this is a two-year extension worth about $124 million. There are a bunch of different reports, more so than, than most other contracts out there on Rodgers, but um, that's ultimately what it works down works out to. 2022 still exists, though the compensation changes a little bit. 2023 and 2024, new money kicks in, and 24 and 25 are there technically, but they're really more void years. So there you have it. Aaron Rodgers is going to be the Packers quarterback for really probably as long as he wants to be. And there's been some discussion in some corners of the Packers internet about whether this is functionally a three-year deal or a two-year deal. I'm on the three-year side of things. I think it, it looks like he's he's going to be around cap-wise for, for three years. But the cap isn't the important part here. You can get hung up on the cap stuff really easily if you let yourself. The question here is whether or not the Packers have a good quarterback. If you have a good quarterback, a good to elite quarterback, you are a contender in the NFL. And if you don't, you aren't. Period. That is the story. If you have a good quarterback, you can contend in the NFL. Doesn't have to be a superstar, but he's got to be playing at a Pro Bowl level, I would say, is is a fair assessment. And if you really want to win, he's got to be playing at or near an MVP level. That is the story of the NFL. There are some exceptions, but even on the exceptions, you will find a quarterback who's playing at an elite level, elite to very good. That is just how it works. And you've got to have a quarterback who is capable of getting to that level on a week-in, week-out basis if you're going to win in the NFL. I know there are legitimate criticisms of Aaron Rodgers. Some of it is on the field. Some of it is off the field. But at the end of the day, he is a very good to elite quarterback. He's won two MVPs in a row. Didn't happen by accident. Yes, there have been disappointments in the playoffs, but he's got him there. He's got him in the conversation. And for every play where you say Rodgers could have done this, that, and the other thing better, all of it true, there are other things that you can point to that say, yes, but if this also broke a little bit differently, it wouldn't matter how Rodgers played. We can talk about it with the divisional round. The blocked punt is something that I've come back to again and again. You want to talk 2021? 
or 2020, we can talk about that too. There's the three and outs everybody likes to talk about. Sure, fair. But there's also two drop passes in the end zone. Devontae Adams drops a back shoulder touchdown. Equinemius St. Brown drops a two-point conversion. Those are both caught. Packers are in the Super Bowl. You want to talk about Aaron Rodgers coming up short? Sure. Everybody else came up short too. You want to talk about, oh, the 2019 playoffs? Sure, fine. Rodgers didn't play great. It wouldn't have mattered. He could have played like some combination of Bart Starr, Brett Favre, and God himself, and it wouldn't have made a difference with the run defense playing the way it did. If the opposing quarterback only has to throw five passes or eight passes or whatever it is, it doesn't matter what your guy is going to do because something has gone seriously wrong with your defense. 2016, same deal. Is it Ladarius Gunter's out there covering Julio Jones? Good luck. Have fun with that. 2014, yep, again, Rodgers, there are some problems there. But Brandon Bostic catches an onside kick. We're going to the Super Bowl. Brandon Bostic gets out of the way and lets Jordy Nelson catch an onside kick. The Packers are going to the Super Bowl. The referees call Michael Bennett offsides instead of, you know, letting a free play go and, and passes intercepted in the end zone. Packers are going to the Super Bowl. You can criticize Aaron Rodgers, but the fact is he's a great quarterback and a great quarterback gets you into the conversation. The Packers are going to be in the conversation as long as he's there. And when he is no longer there, that's when you have conversations about the other stuff. The Packers have decided they'd like to remain in the conversation. They don't want to start the rebuild yet. And I think that's the right call. The goal, as always, is going to be to win a Super Bowl. And I, I kind of reject that too. The the people who are like, well, this is a bust if the Packers don't win the Super Bowl. Every year is a bust if you don't win the Super Bowl. That's what everybody is measuring their seasons by. Well, yeah, but the Packers are going really all in. Well, so what? So is everybody else. Everyone is trying to win the Super Bowl. Okay? It's it's One move doesn't make it more of a disappointment if you don't win the Super Bowl. Sure, there are varying degrees to which you're a contender. Sure, this last season might have been a, a disappointment, a bigger disappointment in, in some ways because of how the Packers were, were positioned and the players they had and the, the season they were having. Sure. But ultimately, it's one winner and 31 losers. And those 31 losers all had failed seasons in a way because they didn't get to that ultimate prize. I don't think there's any more pressure on the Packers now. They're just doing the same thing as always. They're trying to win a Super Bowl, and having an elite quarterback is the easiest way to do that. Alan Lazard is the next and last move we've gotten so far, though there are a couple others on the horizon and a couple other sundry little things that we should talk about. Really, this one is not a surprise at all. This is um, what uh, basically what Rob Tunyon got, Tunyon got before him. It's going to be the second round tender for, or it is the second round tender for, for Lazard. About $4 million. Wouldn't be surprised if we had a couple void years in there too. He'll be back with the Packers next year, unless somebody wants to, to offer him a deal that's better than that. And then the Packers let him leave for a second round pick. Win-win, I think. Lazard's a, an excellent player. He fits well with the Packers and I'm excited what, to see what he does this year and excited, I guess, even more so to see what he does next year because he'll have the opportunity to get to the open market 
And I'm interested to see what a guy like Alan Lazard gets on the open market, given that he is, while a very valuable and versatile receiver, certainly not a traditionally productive one, not productive in the ways that a lot of receivers traditionally are. Cleaning up a couple other things. Uh, It sounds like Randall Cobb is going to be back. Uh, There's some talk about him being back on a reduced contract. I would assume that is the case because he's prohibitively expensive at the at the deal he's at now. There's just no reason to keep a guy his age and with a role his limited as limited as his to keep him around at the, at that price. Same goes for Mason Crosby, though there's no real talk about him reducing his contract, which is I don't know how to characterize it anyway for me other than as a disappointment. Maybe you're a big Mason Crosby fan. Heck, I suppose I'm a big Mason Crosby fan too. But I it seems like it's time. Brian Gutekunst clearly disagrees. Finally, the Packers have lost one free agent. I would expect that we'll get a couple others here in the relatively near future. Oren Burks is gone, signing with the San Francisco 49ers for a couple years, about $5 million, it looks like. Good for him. Uh, I think the, the writing was on the wall there in Green Bay. So what comes next? Five moves, I think, still kind of up in the air. It looks like the Packers are doing some work with Rasul Douglas. I wouldn't be surprised if we got that on Wednesday. I wouldn't be surprised either way. Uh, I was definitely surprised that Campbell came before Douglas, but hey, if they can get them both, that would be excellent. They are going to have to do some moves to reduce their salary cap stuff, though, and the first one and most obvious one is Devontae Adams, though I am not expecting that one to get resolved for a while. seems like the Packers, indeed true to reports, are far apart with Devontae Adams. We're going to have to wait and see a while on this one. But when he comes along, if he comes along, then the Packers... um, will gain some significant cap space. The other three moves that the Packers can do yet that are going to get get them noteworthy amounts of cap space would be an extension for Jair Alexander, an extension or restructure for uh, Adrian Amos, and an extension or restructure for Dean Lowry. Of those, I think the Amos and Lowry restructures or, or extensions are the most likely. It might take a little bit yet on Jair. We'll see. Uh, But I I do think there's a pretty good chance all of those moves happen. Maybe the Packers get Alexander done a little bit after the start of the league year, but uh, I think that's going to happen too as well. So there you have it. A couple more moves, and the Packers are under the salary cap. They've got a couple of guys back, and they are bringing back a really talented roster with Aaron Rodgers for 2022. They are well-positioned to go into the draft and what remains a free agency and try to really upgrade the roster for another run here. And speaking of the NFL draft, we're going to make a change to our programming lineup. We got some good feedback from a couple of listeners who who said, maybe we should try to get to the draft a little bit earlier. And I, I think I agree. I was doing the game-by-game recap stuff in the last episode, and it just doesn't feel right this year. And I think we're going to do it this way going forward. It's time to start driving, diving into the draft. So next episode, we're going to start taking a look at the 2022 NFL draft. I want to look at some overall draft philosophy stuff, take some temperature checks on some previous thoughts that we've had about the draft, see if those things are still true. Then we're going to dive into the position-by-position stuff with a look at quarterbacks. If the Packers draft a quarterback in the first round this year, I will light myself on fire. I don't think that's going to happen. But I think it's still worth taking a look at the the class as a whole and uh, just seeing, again, philosophically, what you do as far as drafting a quarterback in a class that isn't particularly, by all reports, all that strong. 
But for right now, that's all I've got for you on this episode of Blue 58. I appreciate very much your time and attention, and I would appreciate it even more if you would go ahead and share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it too. That's the number one way that we grow, more than social media, more than people just finding it on their own. It is people like you helping me reach more people with the conversations you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.